Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards again. And uh, this is Judy Sedgman. I am coming to you from summertime in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I am so lucky to be here with my wonderful best friend, Christine Heath, where it's always summertime, Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. And it's been wonderful. I love talking to Chris because I, I brings back all these happy memories of Hawaii and how beautiful it is there. So um, that's not only one of the reasons, but anyway, I always love that because I can see through her office door to the water. <laughs> so so um, anyway, today we're going to talk. We're going to talk to you about the invisible power of memory, and uh, it's come up frequently. Uh, for both of us in various uh, groups and sessions that we've had with individuals. And I think uh, it just seems to be something that's really uh, got very, a lot of dimensions to it that, that we uh, have not talked about. We've talked about the fact that memory is a, a thought and that it's just a, once a, once the event that you're remembering is over, the memory has no power unless you keep thinking it and giving it power. But we really haven't talked about like uh, what we're calling the invisible memories, the memories that you don't even know that they're happening, but the thought is percolating while you know you're experiencing something. Um, and we haven't talked too much about how memories change over time as we grow and change, as our levels of consciousness rise, and as we think back over life. That's something that was very upsetting at one point. Now just looks like an incident or that we see it with more perspective or we find compassion. Um, so that the fact that memory is flexible, it's not even, you can't even rely that it's the truth at the point you're thinking about it now. If I think of something that happened 30 years ago, I have no idea if I'm remembering, remembering exactly how I felt 30 years ago or whether I'm seeing 30 years ago from the perspective of who I am now. And so it's not even reliable. <laughs> we have to say that. So um, the fact that, that people get so freaked out by their memories, when you think about the things I just mentioned, is, is kind of uh, surprising, you know, because they're no more, they're no, as I say, they're no different from any other thought. And if you get freaked out by a thought, it doesn't matter if it's a memory or something you just came up with right now, uh, you're scaring yourself with your own thinking, and the thought has no particular power. So I, 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 have, uh, I think this is one of the things that really struck me when I first got involved in the principles was the number of people that I talked to. I, I talked to some of Bill Pettit's patients because he wanted me. I was, I was new to this. And he said, well, you should come and sit in this group I do. And, and the patients will talk to you about what happened for them. And then you can sort of understand my work. So when I did that, it was amazing to me how many people said, oh, I was plagued my whole life about this thing that happened when I was 10 or 15 or 25 or whatever. And then, you know, suddenly I realized, oh, 
that's all in the past. It doesn't have anything to do with my life now, except I keep thinking about it. And that was such a huge thing for them. And, and, I, and I remember the first time that somebody told me something like that was this man that had seen Bill and um, really come out of a depression that he had for years had suffered from being depressed. And, and um, he said, you know, I had a really, uh, a really bad relationship with my brother and then my brother died in the war in Vietnam. And um, I never made peace with him. And all I, all I did for years is remember how I should have done that. You know, that before he left to go in the service, I should have settled things. And I didn't. And we didn't communicate. And then he died. And, um, and he said, you know, I've, I've just thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. And he said, suddenly, I don't know, I was sitting one of Dr. Pettit's groups and I thought, my brother's gone. You know, I can make peace in my own mind with him, but there's, I can't talk to him again. And I'm torturing myself with something I have no control over. And I it might, it might not even be remembering it right. I don't really remember whether we were getting along better by the time he enlisted in the service. And, you know, I just remember in childhood, we were very cruel to each other. And, and he said, I suddenly realized I don't need to be thinking about this. It's pointless. It's ruining my life. And I'm sure my, my brother, even he was still mad at me, he wouldn't have wanted that, you know, and he was kind of going on and on. And I thought, what an amazing thing to get over. At the time, it just was stunning to me because I, you know, I never realized, I never thought that memory was a thought. I didn't know what it was, really. I never gave it any thought at all. I just, if I had a bad memory and suffered from it, I just suffered until I stopped suffering. <laughs> and, and I didn't ever understand. And, uh, but as I got deeper into the principles, I realized that that is, a, that is an amazingly beautiful aspect of what we understand. To be able to understand the, the power that thoughts have when we give it to them, but that the power is not the thought's power, it's our power. So it matters. You know, that's really beautiful, Judy, is that it's, it's the seductive nature of memory mm-hmm. is that consciousness mixes with our thinking and it creates this experience in the moment. Mm-hmm. And it's so seductive that people forget that they're thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, they forget. <laughs> it's just just thought, just memory. Yeah. And some thoughts are more seductive than others. Mm-hmm. But you know, we were talking in um, our the psychology has it backwards. The program today, which is kind of what inspired us to do this, is that people have kind of chronic health, mental health conditions. Like they'll say, I've had anxiety my whole life, or I've been depressed my whole life, Mm -hmm. and I'm not thinking about anything. Mm -hmm. And so we started to see that we were getting several clients that were saying that basically, Mm -hmm. like, I'm having this reaction, but I wasn't thinking about anything. Mm -hmm. And so we thought like, okay, what is it that they don't see about thought and about memory that is tricking them, Mm -hmm. right? Because it'll feel like people frequently will say this, uh, my body's having a reaction. In fact, rolfing, the whole thing with rolfing is that they think you're, that there's memories in your muscles. And if you touch them a certain way that you'll yeah. have this experience. But the, the trick is, is that 
is to see that we have all kinds of experiences and our mind is incredible in the way that it helps us survive. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it puts things away in a way that we're not conscious of them. Mm-hmm. Like this is the unconscious thought thing, right? File. And, and when we're insecure and we're really in that fearful place, an anxious place, it feels like the anxiety is coming from the outside world, even though nothing's happening. And so if there's nothing happening, people think they have a condition. Yes. They have an anxiety condition because there's nothing happening, but I'm feeling anxious. Right? Well, the truth is, is that you're still thinking and your thoughts will create the experience that you're having. Right? So if you're feeling anxious, the only way you're feeling anxious is if you're having anxious thinking, Mm -hmm. but you're not aware of it. You're not conscious of it. It's happening, but you're not aware of it. So a lot of times what happens with people, they go through some kind of childhood trauma is that those memories, I I always say that they get put in a cocoon and they, they're, they're kept safe from you, Mm -hmm. but they're a little bit like um, containers for um, uh, atomic waste Mm -hmm. is that they, they seep out into your thinking and it still is creating an illusion that life is uh, insecure or or bad or negative in some way, shape or form. Yeah. So you can still feel anxiety, but not be conscious of any particular thought. Mm -hmm. So we're not talking about thought in terms of the details of what you're thinking about, but how does this experience the spiritual nature of thought work? to create our reality. Mm-hmm. And so if you're feeling depressed or you're feeling anxious, the only way that's happening is if you have anxious thoughts. You might not be aware of them, so you might say, no, I'm not thinking anything. Like, I've, I mean, I've done that before. I've said that before. I wasn't thinking anything. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I was, but I wasn't conscious of it, right? Yeah. And so that's kind of the thing you want to remember. And, and what you said about over time, how things change. Two things that I see in this is one is, is that when your level of consciousness changes, your past changes. Right. You know, like when I was in the lowest levels of consciousness and I was analyzing the crap out of my past, it was very fascinating. Like, oh, yeah. And my mother said this and my dad did this. And oh, my God, this happened, you know. And, and um Suddenly I had uh, had a reason for why I had been anxious my whole life and why I was depressed. Because, of course, what can you do about this awful experience that you had? And so when I was doing that, my memories changed, right? They call it false memory syndrome. Now, and you start putting things together in a way that creates a, a validation for the beliefs that you have about yourself. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's funny because when I um, grew up, we had um, a a fire at my dad's theater. We had, he ran an old opera house, this beautiful old place and had a big fire that um, uh, the hot water heater in the basement blew up. And we had a big black cat that when I was a baby would get in my bassinet and my mother would go crazy. So she took the cat and it got sent down to the basement of the, theater where it would catch rats and stuff. So it was had a good thing. But when the theater blew up, I was like, oh, 
what happened to Blackie? And my sister said, oh, Blackie disappeared about three weeks ago. He must have known this was happening. So he just disappeared and he's gone. And the name of the movie was Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. So I thought, oh, isn't that amazing? The cat knew to leave three weeks ahead of time. So I must have told that story a million times in my life, right? (laughs) And when I moved back to Minnesota, I'm sitting with my sister and I'm telling the story. And she takes me aside and she said, Chris, that never happened. We just told you that so you wouldn't cry. (laughs) And there was like other stories like that, too. These stories that they just made up because I was the baby. Right. And they don't want me to cry. So they made up these stories. And I thought they were all true. Right. Right. So, you know, it, it's like then I went to therapy and started analyzing my past. And my past went from stressful to awful, yeah. you know, dramatic. And, and then I learned the principles. And one day I remember thinking this. I was thinking about my past and I was like, oh, man, I had an idyllic childhood and I didn't know it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, so... Your past changes with your state of mind. And over time, as most of you know, if you're our age, you talk to somebody about something that happened in high school, they're going to remember it totally different than the way you do or within your family because we live in separate realities. But also over time, every time we think of a memory, we alter it a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. And then they've got actual studies on this. And so by the time you get to be our age, it's really hard to tell when th- something happened. If it you're putting two memories together that are from different times, I mean, you just start to see that it's just not very reliable. Yeah, as I thought about that a lot when I was writing my book because I had to go, you know, remember things and uh, to write about when I didn't understand thought, the things that happened to me. So I was very selective in terms of. Um, knowing for certain that the thing that I thought happened had happened, like I was checking with people that knew me then or checking, you know, going back and reading old clippings. I've kept every story I ever printed as a newspaper person, (laughs) going back and through boxes and looking for old clippings to make sure, yeah, that is the story I wrote. And that is, you know, um, and, and really, you know, doing the best I could, but always knowing that probably I was looking at my past through my present, which is much happier than my past was. And so, you know, it probably was a little bit um, backlit, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and, you know, but, the, but you do the best you can. But I think that uh, in, it, you can hurt yourself, too, with memories by hanging on to something really, um, something really disturbing or distressing or scary or upsetting that happened and repeating it to yourself so many times that it doesn't have a chance to just settle down and you don't change and it changes with you. I mean, I think that, that I always think now when I think about it, that our, our mental well-being is set up in a way that, uh, that we kind of clean things up as we, as, as our understanding improves. Mm-hmm. So that's why, you know, something that was really scary when you were, you know, seven now looks like just something silly and, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can, as we, as, as our memories change in our own minds, it works out for us if we're improving our mental health 
mm-hmm. and improving our level of consciousness and the level of understanding we have a thought. But it could work the other way if we're getting worse. You know? <laughs> if we start going into a dark place, you know, and I often question clients when they're talking from a, a very depressed state of mind. Like, you know, how, like I remember one girl was telling one time about this terrible thing her mother did. And uh, she had two sisters. And I, and I said, do your sisters remember it that way? And she said, oh, they're all big, you know, they love mom and they're just always defending her. And, you know, no, they don't, is what she was saying. And she was, didn't realize how depressed she had gotten. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing was that over time, as she, as she improved, you know, as her, she settled down and her mind quieted, mm-hmm. I remember she revisited it one time in a session. She said, you know, remember at the beginning when you asked me if my sisters remembered this thing the same way I did? And I said, yeah, I do. And she said, um, they were probably right. She said, I, w- I, I was in a really dark space in my own mind. And see, when you wake up to that, you realize that you, you, you gave a false memory power <laughs> because that's the best you could come up with at that time as a reason for why you felt so bad. We need to pay attention not to the details of our thinking, but to the quality of our feeling. And that's new, you know, in the terms of psychology Traditionally, I think people are always examining already thought thoughts as though they had some power and some special meaning. And how can we reframe this thought? How can we change this thought? How can we see it differently? How can we make lemons out of lemonade? And we say, look, you you know, you can't trust your thoughts because they change as you change. Uh, you, You know, you can only trust the thoughts that are coming to you in the present moment in a good, in a quiet state of mind where you suddenly feel, oh, yeah, that feels good. That's right. And the rest of them are just kind of, they're, sometimes they're amusing and sometimes they're entertaining, but, you know, they're just thoughts. But you can trust your feelings. You don't get a bad feeling unless you have a lot of negative thoughts in your mind. You don't get anxious unless you're having anxious thoughts. You don't get sad unless you're thinking sad thoughts. You can't spontaneously, I guess you can if you're an actor or an actress and that most of them, when they're interviewed about how they do it, is they think about sad things or, or happy things or whatever the emotion they need to create. So they're even validating this point. But they can do it on cue. And for most of us, we're on to ourselves, you know. So if, if I said, oh, Chris, I'm going to try thinking some sad thoughts right now and see if I cry, it, it wouldn't work because I'm on to myself. I know I'm making it up. But that's what we do. We 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 overlook the fact that negative feelings are transitory and they move with our thoughts. And so the idea is not to examine your thoughts and figure out what you're thinking and figure out what's wrong with it and figure out how to fix it and figure out if it's that memory or this other memory or figure out whether you're remembering it right. All you need is is to understand, oh gosh, I'm feeling increasingly stressed and tense and upset. I need to quiet down. And the answer is not think harder, think faster, examine, figure out, you know, kick those memories out of the way, try to reframe them, fix them. No, the answer is just to let your mind go to peace. Let your mind quiet. Get a fresh start. And a fresh start is just I'm on a new thought train now. I just change trains. <laughs> and and, uh, and then you, your feelings change. But your feelings are always the mirror of your thoughts. 
And I think I have so many clients who are like, oh, if I only didn't feel so bad all the time. And then, but then they go right into their sad stories again. And I say, you know, you're making yourself feel bad right now. You're telling me the same story that you've told me six times. And it has, doesn't end any better any time you ever tell me is the same sad story. And every time you tell yourself that story, you feel just as bad as you did the first time you did it. And every time you dredge up memories thinking you're going to fix them somehow, you do the same thing. You can, you can look at your feeling state and go, this isn't healthy for me. Not a good idea. I need to just go to quiet. I guess if there's one bottom line message since we're coming close to the end of this, is that, you know, you just can't take your thinking too seriously. This is the biggest seriousness, as I think, of, uh, seri- is a serious problem for people, you know, because uh, getting frightened by your thoughts, taking your negative feelings as meaningful, and, you know, trying to figure out, oh, my gosh, what's going on that I understand now that I didn't know before, and now I feel so bad. You know, all of these are just uh, illusions. They're just illusions. They're like ghosts and, and uh, holograms dancing. And you, in the present moment, you'll get the thought you need for the present moment if you're quiet and that's how you live your life. If you're living your life in caught up in the past or projecting the past onto the future and thinking, oh, it's going to be worse or better or whatever, you're just using your thinking in a way that's going to get you ripped up and create negative emotions eventually. So, you know, the simple truth is don't take your thinking too seriously. If you find yourself getting increasingly serious and tense, let your mind quiet down. Just ignore your thoughts until your mind quiet settles down and then think again. And that cleans it up, you know. It's just like we're 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 designed to do well. And I, I don't think people realize that, that left to our own devices, if we never messed with our personal thinking and we just sort of took one thought at a time through life, we would be fine. But we also have this ability to mess around up there and get serious about memories and do this with that and remember this and add it to this. and All of that is just extra thinking we don't need to be doing. You know, we're kind of also... We're taught to do that. We're taught to yeah. be messing around with the content of our thinking. Yeah, it's true. And, uh, you know, like I was telling you about this vet of mine that a friend of mine, he's not my client, and he's been to every veterans program for PTSD. And we were, he was at a party. He and his, his wife is a friend of mine. And um, he was talking to me. He said, oh, no, I can't take another dog because we've got these new kitties. And he says, you know, I was out all day with him in the in the forest, and I was just sitting there playing with them and watching them. They were so fascinating. And he said, you know, I think it was really good therapy for me. I got into a really good feeling. Yeah. And I said, yeah. I said, that's it. You see, that's all you need to do. Do more of that. Right. And he's been, you know, analyzing what happened to him and why he has PTSD for the last 20 years. And it was in that moment, but something awakened in him and he saw that he was healthier mentally. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that that's within all of us. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're looking for is that insight to see 
knowing that it is just thought and then what you need to see, it'll come to you. Right. That's just beautiful. Yeah. I love this story because it features kitties. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, this, this guy's a big guy too, big guy, you know, and he's telling me, and he said, I think that was good. That was good therapy. I was like, yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. And I'm sure the kitties enjoyed playing in the forest. So it was good for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True. That's well, true. on that happy note, I think we've uh, done it again, Chris. And uh, yeah, we'll say goodbye and we'll see you uh, in a week. Yes. Take care. Aloha. We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, Visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com 